collection, collection. Hello, 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 hello. I'm just going to keep saying hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. I was going to put that there and try and heck this up. Um, if you can hear me, I'll stop shouting. We're going to take up our collection uh, very briefly, as fast as the stewards can do it. Uh, as, the, as the money's going around, as the, uh, sorry, the buckets are going around, the money's going around, just take some money. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to pray, okay? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for a wonderful time already in your presence. I bless you for this church that I can call home, this body that I belong to. Thank you that you've saved us. Thank you that you've been so, so generous to us. So I pray as people give out of the generosity of their hearts, I pray you'd take this money and you'd use it to extend your name, to extend your fame, to extend the good work that you've started. In Jesus' good name, amen. What a wonderful time of worship, hey? You can't orchestrate that. I think Matt did a fantastic job of pulling things together. He did great. You're just sitting there, Dee, what a, what, a bold, what a bold thing to do, to come out and just to express what God has done. God, by the Spirit, has spoken to just sing out like that, you, you don't do it in your own strength. You do it because God's brought peace to your heart. So I'll introduce myself. My name's Santino. I'm one of the leaders here of King's Church. If you are here visiting, it's great to have you with us. Happy New Year. I already think that we're six months in, but we're not, are we? How far into the New Year are we? Just a couple of days? A few hours a day? Okay. Well, we had a good Christmas. It was loud, lively, but good. Uh, most of us got sick. <laughs> but that was, that was fun. I was the worst. Um, uh, to be honest, it was pretty horrific. Um, I asked them to find an ambulance several times. <laughs> she refused to do so. Um, no, we've, we, we, we've had a, a wonderful time. I pray that you have as well. It's great to be back as a family. It's good to be speaking to you this morning. Um, today I'm going to be starting a mini-series... Um, on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's interesting already, through our time of worship, he's, he's been mentioned, he's been encouraged to, to come, and uh, we've been encouraged to receive. I think it's crucial that we do this. So every time that I preach, when the others preach, they might not pick up one of these, but every time I speak, over the next five six sessions possibly, I'm going to be picking up this series, The Person and Work of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Apologies that there's no PowerPoints and stuff today, but over the Christmas period it was a little bit hectic, so please try and stay with me. I'll communicate to the best of my ability under the power of the Holy Spirit, hopefully. <laughs> None of you rebuttaled that, so I'll carry on. Um, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at and cover in great detail over these next few months, who he is and what he does. His function and his role. Why are we doing this series? Well, it's good to get a wide and varied diet within preaching and teaching within the local church, within the worldwide church. It's good to get a wide diet. However, there are those subjects that you need to go over and over and over those essential doctrines, those essential beliefs, those essential foundations of what we stand on. I've, I've had the privilege of serving this church and being part of this church for 10 years. 
I came out of a non-Christian background. I had no concept of God. I thanked God for men like Terry Virgo, John Groves, Paul Mann, Matt Beanie, guys that I've sat under their ministry to teach me about the person and work of the Spirit, to teach me about grace. Matt kicked off this morning about grace, about the church. Who is Jesus? Many churches are neglected because they come away from the Bible. We want to stay thoroughly close to the Bible, to God's work, by his Spirit. This is one of those essential subjects that we're going to cover. The, the Holy Spirit is essential, absolutely key to our faith, and absolutely key for us to understand who God is. He's crucial. Without the Holy Spirit, you won't know God. You won't know him. Now, the inspiration for this series has really come out of my own walk with the Lord my own Christian journey, my own Christian faith. We're pretty similar, folks. We're all different, but pretty similar. We've got our own quirks and ways and personalities. We've got strengths, we've got good points, we've got bad points. As I've said, we've all got strengths, even Ian Lockwood. (laughs) Sorry, he was eyeballing me, so I thought I'd pick on you. Um, We've all got strengths, but we've all got weaknesses as well. We all have things that we've battled, things that we're continually battling with, and things that we've overcome, all of us. Life is a journey. Who agrees with that? Our Christian lives are those of journeys. We're being changed into more and more into God's likeness, into Jesus' likeness. One day, we're going to see him fully. We're going to be seen fully. We're going to be just like him, in a twinkling of an eye. We're going to be in glory with him for all eternity. We've been saved now. One day we'll see him face to face, the beautiful saviour. One day. But here we're on a journey. Here we're working things through. Here we're thrashing it through. But I want to remind you from the get-go, we live in the age of the Spirit. Jesus in John's Gospel says, he stood, I'm going to paraphrase, and in a loud voice he said, if any of you are thirsty... Let him come to me and drink, as streams of living water will flow from within him. And it goes on to say, by this he was referring to the Spirit, who had not been poured out yet. Those like us would later receive. He had not been poured out because Jesus had not been glorified. We live in the age of the Spirit. Jesus has indeed been glorified. Who believes in that? He has been crucified. He was buried and on the third day he rose from death. He appeared to hundreds of people. He ate with them. He taught them. He spoke to them. And then he ascended to the Father and he said, wait to receive power from on high. That's for every one of you. That's for every one of us. Wait in Jerusalem until you've been clothed with power from on high. That's the end of Luke. Then then in Acts we see this beautiful outbreak of the spirit that's the age we live in brothers and sisters those that are here that don't know Jesus you can know him by his spirit this morning Jesus' spirit is amongst us we live in the age of the spirit sorry I'm going well off my notes here my intention for this series is to show us how vitally important the Holy Spirit is for each of our lives not just for some not just for some every one of us and the absolute and crucial need for us all to be baptised, 
to be immersed, to be filled, to be clothed in the Holy Spirit continually. It's not a once-off deal, folks. Baptise continually. Baptise continually. As this is the only way that the believer will live out a victorious life that God has planned. So, in very, very, very brief summary, this is what the series will be spread out like. Today we look at who he is. A great foundation to go from. Who is he? Then, I'm going to do a a further five preaches on his function and role, what he does. So from who he is, what he does. So the next one will be the one who empowers. The one who feels, authorises and commissions. Then we'll look at the one who purifies, the one who changes us from the inside out. Then we'll look at the one who reveals, who speaks and guides and leads. The one who sustains, the one who upholds us. The one who upholds us, the the one who upholds us. Yeah? The one who unites will be the one we close with. That's the format today, who is the spirit? I'm just going to read you just a tagline to get going. I said to Glenn Piper, who's serving us so wonderfully, doing our PowerPoints and everything, he said, what scripture are you coming from this morning? I said, I'm kind of going all over the place, Glenn. And he said, but you need a reference. I said, oh, I haven't got one. I'm going all over the place. But this is the tagline I'm going to start with. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, listen to this, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Oh God, we love you. We worship and adore you. I thank you that you so loved us that you sent your Son. Holy Spirit, would you reveal Jesus to us? Would you reveal the Father? Would you reveal the God that you are? Reveal yourself to us this morning. It says in your words that when you come, you will lead and guide us into all truth. So I pray you'd do that today. Please, please God, lead and guide us into all truth. Help us stay close to the Bible and close to the Spirit. In Jesus' good name we ask. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's get going. I just want to share some concerns, first of all. When it comes to uh, talking about the Holy Spirit, there still remains massive debate within the worldwide church, the universal church, on who he is and what he does. There are those, even amongst us, that are at one end of the spectrum, hyper-conservative. There are those that are the other end of the spectrum, maybe super-liberal, so conservative, just want to deny, squash the Spirit, do things kind of controlled. Those that are really liberal and just say, hey, let's scrap the Bible. It's all about the Spirit. Let's be free in the Spirit. There are those extremes out there. But there's equally everyone else that tucks themselves in somewhere on that spectrum. Where are you? I don't know. That's my heart for this series, really, to to teach us, teach us from the Bible. Many people have an understanding of God the Father, Many people, like I said, I I feel privileged to be brought up in this church. I feel I've learnt great doctrine, great theology, great, basically, understanding of the Bible. But I'm aware, just looking around, of others that are freshly in, freshly saved, freshly Christians. And we can just take it for granted that you just know what we're talking about. You just understand what I'm banging on about. Whereas many of you won't. Many of you won't. 
And I, I want to serve you to the best of my ability through this series. I want to describe to you our wonderful Saviour. I want to show you God and I want to teach you. I want, I want, we're called to make disciples. Disciples. So, many people have an understanding of God the Father, of God the Son, Jesus, but when it comes to God the Holy Spirit, there's still ambivalence. Many conflicting views, basically. There's ignorance and there's a ton of misunderstanding. The Holy Spirit can get pushed out of our lives and the lives of the church so easily, so easily, by ignoring him, resisting him, or denying him altogether. I'm just going to give you an example, really. Some ignore him, like I've said, by putting the, the extra, just the emphasis or concentration on God the Father and God the Son. And that's where they stop. There's not much reference to God the Spirit, maybe f- f- due to fear of the unknown, that I'm not sure about this, maybe past hurt and wackiness that has gone on in the name of the Holy Spirit. But some ignore him. Also, tradition, I feel, is a classic example of ignoring God. Tradition. We've always done it this way. We always sit just down there. We're not going to change now. That's just a silly example. Maybe the way churches do worship. Maybe the way we run small groups. Or the way we interact with one another. We call it biblical, but actually, it's tradition at times. We've got to be careful that we're not calling things the wrong, the, you know, we're not getting ourselves confused in just labelling everything biblical. The Bible's quite silent on certain issues. So, man-made traditions distort things and the church can get confused, tied down to all sorts of unbiblical ways and things and led astray. This is what Jesus says in Mark's Gospel. Jesus' own words to the religious leaders of the day. Imagine this. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. There are many traditions, folks, within church life. And all of us will follow them. We've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. I've got to be careful. Some resist... Listen to this, in Acts 7, Stephen, a great man, just before he is stoned to death, imagine what that would be like, just before he is stoned to death by the religious leaders and the Pharisees and those that want to kill him, he says this, you stiff-necked people, I'm going to use that, I love that. The next time Brian mocks me, you stiff-necked Brian. Sorry, I'm not going to go any further, right? Because it's with an uncircumcised heart and an ear. You're just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. I'd I'd be mortally offended if someone said that that to me. You stiff-necked Greek person. You're just like your fathers or father. Resisting the Holy Spirit. Others deny him altogether. Listen to this. We don't want to talk about that kind of thing here, thank you. Many conservative Christian uh, denominate, what do I want to say, followings, if you like, really conservative, would believe that the Holy Spirit's primary functional role was to inspire the scriptures, 
the, the illumination of the scriptures, to speak to people through the scriptures, but now we have the full work of the Bible, the full canon, it's closed, nothing to be added, nothing to be taken away, the Holy Spirit's work is done. The way he speaks now is through the Bible. You open this and he illuminates. We believe that. I absolutely believe that. I believe the Holy Spirit's role was to write and inspire the Bible. It's God-breathed, the very words of God. But that's not his only role. That's not all he does. He still moves today. Can you feel him this morning? Do you feel him? I feel him this morning. His presence. So we must, we must come back to God's word, not rely on religion, not rely on man's tradition, not rely on fear. We must trust and rely on God. We must trust and rely on the Bible, on the Holy Scriptures. They are without error. They are our authority. But what we see in the Bible is God, the Holy Spirit. Now, to know what he does, where we're going in the future, we need to know who he is. So who is he? There are a few concerns. What do we see through the Bible? Firstly, the Holy Spirit is a he, not an it, or not a mystical force. Some Bible translations, such as the King James Version, refer to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. This is probably not the most helpful term for us today, I would suggest. As it leaves us with a spooky uh, connotation, a spooky definition. I've watched a lot of Scooby-Doo and when you start talking to me about the Holy Ghost, I'm waiting for <laughs> them to pin him down and, oh, it was, it was Father Giles all the time. Look, he's the fisherman. I've watched a lot of Scooby-Doo and I know many of you have as well. And whenever you talk about ghost, for me it doesn't have a good connotation because it talks about something without substance something without personhood, something without personality, something without form. The Holy Spirit is not that. The Holy Spirit is a he. Jesus says in John's Gospel, listen to this, but when he comes, not the Holy Ghost, when he comes, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you of what is still to come. The Bible teaches and communicates to us that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, has person-like qualities, attributes, characteristics, if you like, a personhood, a nature, has a being. There is a substance. It's not a person like you and me. This is something that we've got to be clear. It doesn't just, you know, we can only be in one place at one time. The Holy Spirit can be in all places, all the time but he shares our qualities. We get these qualities from God. Personhood, personality of being and nature. He acts, he thinks, he speaks, he relates, he encourages, he comforts, he sustains, he strengthens, he strengthens, he empowers, he empowers us, he leads us, he guides us, he prevents us, he convicts us, and so on. He convicts. Remember Matt said there's no condemnation that's what the enemy does. The Holy Spirit convicts us. You know that gentle pull that you just think, oh, that's what he does. He speaks, 1 Timothy, 
He thinks in Acts 15. I just want to give you a couple of examples just so you think I'm not just making it up. Romans chapter 8 and 26 to 27. Listen to this. When we don't know what to pray, many of you have heard, I struggle with praying at times. And I know I've spoken to many of you. I, I, I battle with praying. I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. Uh, you know, listen to this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So you don't know what you're saying. You don't know what to say. God does. And within you, he'll, he'll bring it out. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance to God's will. He empowers. In Acts 1 he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll receive power. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's empowerment. He appoints in Acts 20, 28, he says, uh, take care of God's uh, church, the flock, I'm paraphrasing, of, of whom the Holy Spirit has appointed you, commissioned you. So Paul and Matt, as elders of the church, they are not appointed by yourselves, by me, they're appointed by God, the Holy Spirit. It's God. These are God's men. Okay? God's men. The Holy Spirit is a he, has a personhood and has an attribute with feelings, thinks, uh, leads, directs. Okay, the next, the next one and the last one, we're going to spend a bit more time on this. The Holy Spirit is God. Is fully and utterly and totally divine in every way. He's God. He's God. John's Gospel, John 4.24 says, God is spirit and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and truth. God is spirit. He's referred to in Acts as God when Peter challenges Ananias because he lied to the Holy Spirit. Do you know that story? <laughs> it terrifies me reading it. So I'm not going to read it. Um, <laughs> let me summarise it. Basically, Peter stores up a bit of money to the side. The Holy Spirit knows, but he lies. And Ananias says, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? Oh, have I? Sorry? Sorry, the other way around. See? Just testing to see if Richard Wilson was right. I heard him, I saw him do that. I thought he was saying, wrap it up, wrap it up, come on. <laughs> like I said, I'll leave that scripture. I'll read it. Then Peter said to Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? Listen to this. And have kept for yourself some money you received from the land. Didn't it belong to you before you sold it? After it was sold, wasn't it the money at your disposal anyway? What made you think of doing such a thing? You not lied to men, but to God. 2 Corinthians, English Standard Version. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. That's what I said right at the beginning. If you put your faith in Jesus, you're being transformed more and more into his glory, into his likeness into his image, to one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The Bible clearly teaches that God is Spirit. God is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is God. You can make a little hymn out of that. 
When you hear people pray, like we have today, when you hear people call out, come Holy Spirit. We don't want to talk about that father thing, the dictator from on high, but come Holy Spirit. You can have a bit of that ambivalence at times. We've got to understand that when we cry out, come Holy Spirit, we are saying, come God. Come and visit us, God. Come to us, the God of the universe. I know a story of my father-in-law and my mother-in-law when they were moving church. They moved to an Anglican church, great church down on the seafront. And John said, as he walked in, there was this big banner that said, come Holy Spirit. And he said, we're home. They walked in and just felt, this is what we need. So we're saying, come God. God of the universe, come by your presence and come and be with us. The Holy Spirit shares the same attributes as God. All right? I want to prove this to you. He is omnipresent. Who knows that, what that means? Shout it out. Everywhere present. He is everywhere. Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit, David cries out. Where can I flee from your presence? I hope you cry that out if you feel lost at times. Because you know what? If you run to Eastbourne, he's there. If you run to Istanbul, I don't know if he's behind us, but he's there. If you go to the furthest peak, the highest mountain top to try and escape him, guess what? He's there. You can't outrun him. You can't outwit him. Wherever you go, he goes. David goes on to say, if I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, there you are also. He's omniscient. What does that mean? I don't know. He knows everything. I think I'm omniscient at times. Yeah. I know, so yeah. I know nothing. I know some things, don't lose confidence. But, but compared to God, my goodness, he's omniscient. Before a word is on my tongue. Asparagus. He knew I was going to say that. Before a word is on your tongue, God knows it completely. Dingo. He knew. Try, you can't outwit him. Before a word is on your tongue, you know it's completely. Every thought, every motive, the Bible says, are laid bare before him. Every one of your heart's motive is laid bare to the one you have to give an account to. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, he knows you. The Holy Spirit knows you. And he knows your heart. He'll unveil it and he'll know exactly your motives and the condition of your heart. So come to him. He's omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. In Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit came, this is one of the best descriptions I've found, when the day of Pentecost came, they're all together in one place, suddenly, like the, the sound of a blowing and violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated. Could you imagine that? There was 120-plus people in this upper room. I don't know how, there's probably double that here. Imagine if suddenly we heard the blowing and the violent rushing wind that just came in and as I looked out, there was tongues of fire on each one of your heads. I consider that great power. Great power. And they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This was able to happen because Jesus 
had been glorified. Jesus had gone to the Father. He said to them, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is him coming in great power. Amen? Coming in great power. It was the Holy Spirit's power that raised Jesus from the grave. It is the Holy Spirit's power that changed my dead heart. And it's the Holy Spirit that will raise us with brand new bodies one day. The Holy Spirit is referred to in the Bible. These are some of his names or titles. The Spirit of God, the breath of the Almighty, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Truth, Eternal Spirit, the Counselor, the Spirit of Wisdom and Understanding, or Wisdom and Revelation, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, it says in Isaiah, is on me. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. He's also referred to as other things, uh, elements, if you like, such as fire, wind, water, and wine. He carries other names. So the Holy Spirit, in whatever form he takes, is God's very presence with us. God, the God of the universe, the God that made us. He's here with us right now. He's here with us right now. Let's look at the Holy Spirit's role in creation. Right at the beginning of time, we see a God. And alongside this God, we see the Holy Spirit. In Genesis 1-2 it says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Before anything was created, there was the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. Genesis 2-7 The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Picture it with me. The man, the God had, had formed this man from the clay of the ground. Formed this man. I was the, I was the template. As you can see, this... I think my template was sort of... <laughs> I was, that'll do for San. Um, but we've been made in God's image, right? So he formed us, male and females, in the image of God, he made us. But as he, as he scooped up the man, as he scooped up this dust and clay, he grabbed hold of the nose and breathed life into the man. That's creation. What else on this planet do you know does that? Forms life from nothing. And Job 34.4, poor old Job, says this, the Spirit of God has made me. The Spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. I want you to remember that with whatever you face, through whenever you face it, none of us will face what Job faced. None of us. He lost everything and everyone. Yet the Spirit of God made him and the breath of the Almighty gave him life. And that's the same for you. The Spirit of God made you and the breath of God gave you life. The Holy Spirit is the same uh, creator and sovereign Lord of the universe, of the heavens and the earth. The Holy Spirit's role in salvation, in our redemption, when he comes, when he comes, Jesus says, he will convict the world of guilt. John's Gospel. When he comes... When I became a Christian, it wasn't because Richard Wilson had presented the gospel to me in such a fantastic way 
You did well. It was, it was great, right? Where it was Gary, I was with the Haltons, we were in their front room. It was a great evening. These guys didn't save me. They didn't convict me of my sin. The Holy Spirit did that. The Holy Spirit did that. I was still ready to argue the point. And he got me. He got me. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Oh boy, did I feel it. Have you felt it? Convicted to the core that you're a sinner in need of a saviour. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Titus 3, 4 and 7 says, But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, but when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we'd done, but because of his great mercy. He saved us, listen to this, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through who? Jesus Christ our Saviour. We see the whole Godhead there, giving us hope for eternal life. The Holy Spirit has the power to bring new birth, salvation. He reveals Jesus. We don't find him, he found us. The Holy Spirit removes the blindfold that we've been blindfolded with. Corinthians says the God of this age has blindfolded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the glory of God, Christ. The Holy Spirit removes that blindfold. He brings rebirth. He takes away the dead heart. Did anyone else personally come up to you and say, hey, hey Colin, I've come to take your heart away? No, you didn't see anyone, did you? Because it was a washing of rebirth. The renewal happening by the Holy Spirit. To help us further with this, this is what we're going to end with, but I feel it's important to do so. A little bit more time on, we're going to look at the doctrine of the Trinity to understand God more, to understand God the Holy Spirit more. We've looked at who he is, he's a he, and he's God. So, isn't there the Father and Son as well? I want to help us, okay? Many of you will know it, I want to refresh your memory. We believe in something called the doctrine of the Trinity. Question, who has heard of the Trinity before? Please lift up your hand. Who understands the Trinity? Really? Fully? You fully understand the Trinity? No, there's no hands up now. Well, we're going to close there. Valid and the band can come back up. Uh, the, the, the Trinity is, is a mystery, but it's beautiful in nature and essence. Let's, let's unpack it a little bit, okay? The Holy Spirit is referred to as the third person of the Trinity. Now, you won't find the word Trinity in your Bibles, but don't fear, because you don't find the word Bible in them either. But we believe in the Bible, okay? So I want to encourage you to believe in the Trinity, and I'm going to show you why. What you do find in your Bible is the Trinity explained, unpacked, described. Trinity is a theological term used to help define God to us, to help us understand the power, who God is. He's undescribable. He is undescribable. And you can't contain him. He's uncontainable. Don't worry, I'm not going to burst into song. But he's undescribable. But we do our best, okay? In very, very, very brief summary, it means this. God in three persons. Father, Son and Spirit. The community of God. The Godhead. I like to call it the God package. 
It helps my simple brain. There's a God package. And it's comprised of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Each person is fully divine in nature. Fully God. So it's not there's one God and he gets 100% Godness and then it's, it's a third for you, a third for you, and a third for you. They're all fully God. They're all divine in essence and nature. There is only one God though. Oh. So there's God of three persons. There's Father, Son and Spirit. Three persons, one God. Yes. One true essence of God worked out through three distinct persons, natures, personalities, characteristics, essences. Okay? The tr- Are you confused? Yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> the Trinity has been a mystery that has baffled the minds of Bible scholars much cleverer than me for centuries and continues to do so today. I want to read you a few definitions very briefly that will help us from a book called Incomparable 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 Uh, written by a guy called Andrew Wilson and uh, just listen to these words about the Trinity Okay, the Trinity is thoroughly biblical and thoroughly baffling thank you Andrew it helps Uh, Help me, because he's baffled. For 2,000 years, that has been the foundation of Christian orthodoxy, our Christian belief. Denial of the Trinity in some form is a fairly sure sign that the Christian group is a cult. At the same time, it is one doctrine that probably no one in church history has fully understood. The pastor and Bible teacher, C.J. Mahaney, remarked that when you're talking to your children, there is only one question more complicated, more difficult to answer than the one about the Trinity, and it is this. What is a concubine? (laughs) I've tried to explain to my son not what a concubine is, but what the Trinity is, and I end up just coming out saying... Talk to your mother. No, I don't. I end up coming out saying, we'll talk again tomorrow. Love you. You know, and it's like, God, so who's, we worship God, who's Jesus? Who's, oh dear, there's, you know, there's lots to unpack. Central to the teaching of Christianity, yet it is one that escapes most of the church's brilliant minds. The word Trinity combines of two parts. Tri, meaning three, and unity, meaning oneness. It's not found in the scriptures, but it is the best word we have available for expressing the rather puzzling position that God is one, but that God is three persons, Father, Son and Spirit. And I just want to read you something from Wayne Grudem, because I want to give you a bit of breadth. This is Wayne Grudem, a great Bible teacher, a great book, 20 basic beliefs every Christian should know. I'd recommend that to you. He says this, sometimes people use three different means to refer to the same God. God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. But these are more than simple different names for one person. They are in fact the names of three very distinct persons and each one is fully God. But even though God the Father, God the Son, Jesus and God the Holy Spirit have eternally existed... They've all eternally existed as three distinct persons who are each fully God. There is only one God. This is called the doctrine of the Trinity. The idea of three persons and only one God is difficult to fully understand. Even so, it is one of the most important ideas of the Christian faith. 
Biblical evidence of the Trinity. I'm just going to read you one because time is uh, escaping me. In Mark's Gospel, Jesus' baptism, we have a great explanation, a great demonstration here. In those days it says, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptised by John in the river Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, this is Jesus the Son, God the Son, when he came up out of water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit, God the Spirit, descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven, God the Father, saying, you are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Thoughts for us all as I close. Do you acknowledge the God three in one? Fantastic. Please keep acknowledging the God three in one. As I've been preparing, getting these series underway and starting with this first one, it hit me between the eyes afresh. In our prayer life, in our worship life, in our day-to-day life, we're Trinitarian. That's what I believe. We believe in a triune God. One God made of three. Father, Son, of Spirit. One God with three persons. The Godhead. The God package. The Trinity. Remembering that you come to God the Father when you pray through God the Son, through the saving work of God the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you with this because do you know why? The whole Trinity came after you. The whole Trinity came after you. And the whole Trinity continues to come after you. You refer to God the Father through the Son by the power of the Spirit. The whole Trinity was involved with your salvation. The whole Trinity is involved with your sanctification. You're becoming more like Jesus. And the whole Trinity wants us to worship him in spirit and truth. In summary, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a very personable He. He's here. We can worship Him. He'll comfort you if you're hurting. He'll bring you joy. He'll come and counsel you. He's the one that comes alongside. He's a He. And He's here. He's he's next to you. He's, He's right beside you. He's closer than you think. The Holy Spirit is God. What better counselor to have alongside than God, the very God of the universe. And the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, the Trinity. My aim through this message, as I said, my aim for this whole series, my intention is to look at the person and work of the Spirit. Today we started with who he is. I know it's just a whistle-stop, a bullet-pointed exercise. We couldn't get it all in, but I hope you've got enough to go away with us. Who he is, Because when we come back next time, when I speak next time, we're going to launch into the God who empowers us from the Old and New Testament. I want to finish with this quote from a guy called Greg Haslam. True worship is Trinitarian or it is not Christian at all. It is a journey to the Father through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. All three persons of the Godhead are to be acknowledged, honoured, praised and intimately, intimately encountered in worship activities. Worship activities that aim to please God. We can have fellowship with the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, all three, and enjoy their manifest presence among us. Each person is fully alive, each one fully alive and through the other, 
because of their mutual indwelling in the Godhead. When we encounter one, we also encounter all three. God above us, God beside us, and the God that dwells in us. Amazing. It makes you want to worship. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of who? The Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace and your goodness. I thank you for your un, unexplainable mercy and love that you pour out on us. Thank you that you come to us as Father, Son and Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, as we look to you today. We look to you as a, as a he, as a him, as the one, as the one that comes, the one with a person, the one with person-like attributes. We look to you also as the God that made us, the God that gives us very spiritual life, the God that gives us life, sustains us. And God, I pray you teach us. Your word says you've come to lead us into all truth. So I pray that you would lead us into all truth, into all truth, in Jesus' good name. Amen. Amen. Have, we, have we got time for a song? Can we, can we sing? Have, have you got a song? We've, um, what I'd like to do, we've got a, we've got a song that uh, refers to the Trinity, um, so don't think, oh, this is interesting. What a coincidence. No, no, we picked it. Um, <laughs> It refers to the whole Godhead, okay? And I want us to worship the Godhead. I want us to worship the God that we serve. And as we close, on the, on the back of this song, let's, let's worship with all our hearts, right? But on the back of this, I'd love to give people the opportunity for prayer. We're not going to make a massive song and dance about it, but what we're going to do, we're going to close, I'll get up and close the meeting, or Matt will probably get up and close the meeting on the back of this prayer uh, song. And then... Um, we're just going to give the opportunity for pray, to pray for people. I haven't spoken this morning about the God that fills us, but I've talked about who he is, and I want to tell you, he's come to fill you. So if you're a Christian here today and have not received the baptism, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, me, Paul, and some others will be at the front. We'd love to speak to you about that, if you'd like us to pray with you, or would like to talk a little bit more. If you're a Christian here, and you feel tired and weary and drained, you probably need to be filled with the Spirit. We'd love to lay hands on you afresh because the Bible encourages us, don't just get filled once, we're to live in the Spirit, to go on being filled with the Spirit. And if you don't know Jesus, come and talk to me afterwards as I'd like to tell you about him also. For now, over to Alid.